It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Episode 633 of my podcast. The only talented right here in the Talk Show Network, one of the longest running single hosted pop culture podcasts in Ontario. I'm your host, Russell Hale. Thanks for joining me today on the show. We got another big show lined out because I have so much to talk about, and there's only one of me. And we're going to get right into the thick of it today. Before I get into that, though, I did want to make a note of something very interesting. Uh, when it comes to the world of entertainment. And I hope you all enjoyed, by the way, my Avengers special. I, I don't get on the road much anymore. And and that was the first field test of that mic. So we'll see how things go if those happen again. And th- great thanks to folks at Tarot PR for providing that access. And uh, we'll see where things go down the road. But uh, yeah, I'd love to, you know, do more of those. But it's time and money and money and time. Anyway, before we get into what's on today's show, I did want to talk about a couple of news things that were, you know, happened since I last recorded. <laughs> One of them is that um, that the movie Hotel Transylvania Four, called Transformania, is is coming out. It was coming due to come out very soon, and it looks like uh, at the time of this recording that that movie, which I've, I think I have reviewed most of those movies on this very show. Look back in the archives, I think you'll see them. At the time of this recording, that movie, instead of hitting theaters, and I could have swore it was going to hit theaters, no, 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 people. It is now going to go exclusively to Amazon Prime. And that is craziness. Uh, and so it's, it's going to completely skip a theatrical run. And go to Amazon Prime. And that begs the question, one, what does that mean for even the home video release of this feature? Because I don't know if you've noticed, Ramblers, I haven't talked about a lot of Sony stuff on this show in quite some time. Sony has put the majority of their movies on hold. And recently in theaters came out Free Guy starring Ryan Reynolds, but that's been the first Sony movie that's been released in a theater in a very long time. And there's talk that the movies that they have in the can, people, ready to go, movies uh, in the can like Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I really want to see, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, which they've already started showing trailers on, and uh, I think even Morbius, they're holding them back. They're like... You know, they're going to come out soon, but now we're just kind of pushing them back a bit. And I, that's, ugh, this, 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 you know, this time of delays is so frustrating 
for a movie for a guy like me. And and yeah, that's so who knows when we're going to see any of these movies. I mean, they just kind of started teasing the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer. But if you notice a lot of new trailers, they uh, typically in a, a movie trailer, you would say, you know, coming soon or they'd say in theaters this date. And now they don't put a date at the end of the trailer anymore. Very few do because because, you know, cards subject to change. And that's kind of pooky. And when that that is the, the nature of the beast you know, is, is, you know, worldwide, there's a new, you know, variant for the ongoing global bugger. And that is, I could really delay uh, theaters. I mean, they opened up here locally, as I told you, I got to see Black Widow and I, it was an odd theater experience, but it was nice to be in a theater again. I just had really lousy seats, such a sanity. Uh, so we don't know. I don't know. The way it's going like, I, I don't know if I'll get to see another movie in the theater. Uh, I'd like to before the year's over. Trust me, Ramblers. I really would. There's some that are still tentatively to be released. But we don't know. And another big news, too, coming to movies, is the Suicide Squad. Not to be confused with Suicide Squad, but the Suicide Squad had an abysmal uh, opening at the box office. It In its second week, it dropped like a stone and now I'm reading that that it is going to be yanked from theaters. It, it is, is like the big stick, and it's being pulled from theatrical release. Uh, now, you know, I, my, the, my, my folks at Warner have not, I have not seen yet, as of yet, a, a press release on the home video mark. There are some things that are coming out on home video very soon, and that window, that three-month window, boys and girls, is is getting really tight uh, when it comes to that. So yeah, so that that's that's kind of going on, and that's so odd to see, man. I, I I can't remember in all my years of movies I've ever seen a movie get yanked second week after two weeks being in the theater. Like that's brutal. And, and I haven't had a chance to see it yet. And, you know, many people didn't like the first Suicide Squad movie. But I'm going to tell you, folks, I didn't find it that bad. There were things it could improve. Look back in the old archives for my review of that. I mean, the, the whole end villain was something. But but to add, but the new one looked decent. And, and maybe if times were different, that would have been a movie I probably would have gone to theater to go see. As it is now, Ramblers, you're more likely to wait till it hits video on me before you'll get my official opinion of it. But that's it's it's Hollywood is changing, and and the the days of the billion dollar movies, I don't know if they're gonna come back. So I just want to throw that out there. Some little do 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 entertainment news for y'all uh, when it comes to to those things. Uh, so now I've got that out of the way. Uh, I, I have so much to do talk about today. I'm going to give you, at the top of the show, a bonus review. Because I have so much to talk about. And, and one of the movies that, that recently came to digital is movie Luca. And the, the nice folks at Disney were able to send me a digital copy of that, courtesy of Walt Disney Home Entertainment. So I had a chance to check out the movie Luca. Now, this movie is interesting, okay? Because... Before I even heard it, I heard all this hype about, oh, you know, this is Disney's first, you know, LGBT, you know, 
couple, right? These two young boys. And, and you know, Disney, and people are saying, oh, well, Disney was going to, you know, they, they got really close, but then they pulled back. And, and they're saying that this relationship between these two young boys was, you know, kind of leaning towards that area. And I'm going, I don't know. And so the movie is animated by Pixar. And I don't know what it is with Pixar. It's just not what it used to be. And we'll get into that. So this movie is set in the 1950s in Italy. And it, the, it revolves around two worlds. The world of the underwater, where you have Luca, who's a very young, kind of shy boy, who has very controlling parents. And, and he looks after sheep. And there's like little fish that act like sheep. I swear they do. You know, it's like a shepherd's hook thing. And, and much like Ariel, and there are so many uh, mermaid comparisons to this. He, you know, he wants to be part of another world. Although he doesn't break into song, although I'm surprised it doesn't. So he's, you know, a, 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 an underwater mer kid that just wants to, you know, he's so curious about the surface, right? And so, so one day, you know, he, he's curious about the surface and he stumbles across another kid called Alberto. And in this, in this universe, in this 1950s Italy, when mer creatures come out of the water, and I'm completely out, they go from gill-looking guys, like creature from the Black Lagoon, but prettier, to, to full humanoid people. And the only time they, you know, switch back to looking like a fish boy is if, they ha if the parts of their body get wet. So it's kind of almost twilighty, and they have magical transforming powers. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. So, so, um, so uh, Luca meets this boy now, Alberto, who's been living on the surface for a while, and and it's it's one of these classic stories of shy boy meets adventurous boy, and says, "Hey, you're kind of cool. I want to hang out with you." And he essentially <laughs> ditches his duties. Uh, when it comes to that. And, and, and so he meets up with Albert. Now Albert, Alberto's been leaving on the surface for a while. And, and the big focus of their attention is a Vespa. Now, if you don't know what a Vespa is, it's like a really fancy Italian scooter that I guess was big in the 50s. And, and so these kids get enthralled with this Vespa and, and they want to win a Vespa and they just want to, you know, like take off and explore the world on a Vespa because they're kids. And they don't, you know, that's their whole thing. Yeah. So, so they get this idea to do this, right? And in this little you know, coastal Italian village, they, they, they meet up with the villain of the piece, who is this guy who owns a Vespa. And <laughs> such a weird character in that here's this grown adult, right? So every year in the smaller coastal town, they have a big contest, right? And it's like a triathlon. <laughs> it's where you, you, you have three events. You, you uh, eat a big <laughs> bowl of pasta. Ugh. Then you have to bike somewhere. And then, or, or no, actually, I think you have to swim and then eat the pasta and then bike. It's a three event thing. And this, this older adult, he's like this smarmy guy who has his Vespa. And, 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 and he, um, <laughs> and he's competing against kids. And all these villagers are like, Eh, what you gonna do? <laughs> kind of attitude. You're like, all right, it's fine. And, and these two boys meet up this human girl named Julia, uh, spelled G-U-I-L-A, and, and her father is a fisherman. 
who and and this whole town is like we don't like sea monsters, and 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 the, the fisherman who who lost an arm. He's like part of his like, lo, like from the elbow down to his his hands is gone, and 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 you get the feeling it was lost with the fish. They never really explain it, like you know, it's like like maybe a jaw, you know, like a jaws came by, and but he's just one armed dude. And he's Julia's father. So so the, the boys want to win a Vespa, want to get a Vespa, and they realize that this contest is a way to win it. So they team up with Julia to try to win it from this smarmy adult who's competing against kids. And and a lot of people are saying that the whole allegory of, of these sea monsters who are hiding themselves from the surface world, because surface world thinks monsters and just want to kill them, that it's an allegory for, for being in the closet, for being homosexual. And, and then when these kids are, are, you know, like pretending to be human, they're hiding their true selves. And it's just like the persecution that the LGBT community faces. And I think, okay, okay. If you want to, you could stretch that how you want. But I watched this movie. What did I see? I saw two young boys that were just really good friends. You had the rebellious kid. And then you had the the kind of um, timid kid. And timid kid wants to hang out with the rebellious kid because it's a lot more fun. That's what I saw. You know, and you know, there's one scene where they got their arms on their shoulders. Okay, interpret that you want. There's a scene near the end where there's a train and some running. Yes, okay, that's done in a lot of romance movies. But whatever. It's just two, you know, young boys that that are just really close friends. And you know what? In this whole thing of, oh, they're going and we want to go away together. So that's something that has to be, you know, it's queer baiting. No, it isn't. I had a best friend when I was a boy, right? And we hung out all the time. We were, we were close buds. And, and when, we, when we were growing up, before I, before I moved as, as, as a teenager, you know, we talked, oh, because we're so friends, maybe we'll, you know, have a house and our, and have and share it with with our families and stuff and kids and you know we'll always be friends and then that and that's just how young boys think right you don't think that the adult world is kind of come in and all those cool ideas you have gonna go out the window but that's just it you know and 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 that's and back then I thought you know I you know I he'd be my best bud for life and it didn't turn out that way but when you're in that mindset when you're a kid that's all you think about. And, and, and then you just, you just have these kids just rebelling against society. But I didn't get any kind of... You know, it's just a movie about friendship. That's all it is. Friendship. And, and, I, and I... People who are, who are trying to go, oh, it's more into it than that. You're not just seeing it. Bull crap. Bull hockey. BS. Okay? Just, it is what it is. Now, <laughs> this movie is very Italian. And, and, and in some ways, and I, you know, I'm not nothing Italian. Um, I'm surprised I don't see more things online about how stereotypical Italian this is. Like, holy moly. There's like, uh, it's like, then the mozzarella and all these little jokes with cheese. And, and it's, 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 it's so stereotypical Italian. It's kind of funny. And, and, you know, it, it is what it is. No, he picks on that. And when it comes to Pixar movies, like I haven't seen a really good one in a while. And I'm going to compare this movie to a movie I saw a while back 
called, um, I think it was Inside Out, right? And and most recently, was, there was another one too, A Soul, okay? Where this movie, as much as, Luca, as much as I get, you know, the, the boy's friendship, because I, you know, I was a young boy, I had some male friends and we hung out all the time and all kinds of stuff. But, so I can summarize to that, but all the Italian in it, and oh, it's super Italian. Uh, the, the soundtrack to this movie, all the lyrics in Italian. So unless you know Italian, I have no idea what these people are singing about. I it's no clue. Uh, I'm sure these songs are trying to say a message and trying to convey a feeling, but I don't know. And, and it's weird to, to, to <laughs> like, okay. Like they're all one little English song in there. And, and it really seems to be catering to an audience. And I'm not that audience, right? You know, it's like Inside Out. To me, that movie was directed it, like the like young teenage prepubescent girls would have loved that movie because it was all about their head, right? And so it, it fine movie. But again, I don't feel I was a target audience for it. You know, a really great Pixar movie like Toy Story 3. You know, I can watch that movie and there's that end scene and the Sarah McLaughlin song and I'm just even thinking about it now and it's like, oh, just rip my heart out, Pixar. And, and though there were some touching moments in this movie, not there. You know, it, it's not a movie I'm, I'm going to, you know, think about years from now and go, oh, there was that scene and oh, it still gets to me. Nope, sorry. And I don't know what it is. Onward was a fine movie, but you know, recently, and but that all right, but it's and and, and that was a little better because I understood some of the things there. But for the most part, it, it's I don't know. I mean, the, the animation seemed, you know, more like TV animation than than theatrical animation, and we didn't get to see much of the, the underwater world, right? It was mostly surface. And the other world, underwater world, looked great. I mean, the characters as people were colorful and always designed, and they got to the surface and they're just human. Wow, that's exciting. Human. I see humans all the time. So this may be more of a movie that you get if, if there's, you know, more of an Italian in your heritage or something. Because, you know, this music over my head. Overall, it is a nice, progressive kind of coming-of-age story. There's no poopy jokes in it, no toilet humor. Yay! And, and you know, the characters are sweet in it. I just think, I don't know, it, it still lacks the luster of some of the previous Pixar stuff. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know, maybe maybe one of the the, the head of the creative is, is gone or changed. I mean, it's like, you know, there's not that, like, when I, I remember when I went going out and saw the first Incredibles movie, right? That was just, amazing experience to me and and just last few years like toy story 4 was an unnecessary sequel you could just left it at three would have been fine some of the car sequels were like why even doing this so we'll see i don't know it's going to take something to get that that lack that luster back to me when it comes to Pixar. So, you know, that is it. This, I, I just had a chance to check out this digital code for Luca. So not the physical release. It's one of those times. Um, I don't know when I'll get another physical release from Disney. Uh, so I didn't get to know any, check out any of the extras, any behind the scenes, just the movie itself.
So there you go. So that is my take of Luca digital review, courtesy of the great folks at Walt Disney Home Entertainment. All right. So now we're out of that. We're going to go into the other stuff that I'm going to talk about on the show today. On the show today, we're going to keep with kind of the um, young boys theme to a degree, in a way. And uh, coming up on the rest of the show, you'll have my Blu-ray review of a brand new movie, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. It is Angelina Jolie and Those Who Wish Me Dead, where a, uh, a female smoke jumper has to fight for the life of a young kid. And in, in, turn up in a blazing inferno. So that is on this docket. And then we go from that kid to some even more kids in peril, where we go back once again to the tales from the Midnight Society, where the 1990s classic kids show gets another kick at the can. This time it is Are You Afraid of the Dark? Curse on the Shadows, where DVD release, courtesy of Paramount Home Entertainment, where the Midnight Society has to face up against a very horrifying enemy and fight for their very lives. And then speaking of midnight in kind of darkness, uh, my next review for today will be a, the <clears throat> second part of the um, DC Universe movie, Batman Along Halloween Part 2, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, where the Dark Knight continues to find who is the holiday killer, where more Arkham inmates kind of add to the freight and and more evolution into the villain of Two-Face as well. And then we wrap things up by going from the legend of the Dark Knight to the legend of Norse, Norse mythology. Uh, and that is my book review, courtesy of DK Publishing, of Norse myths. Meet the gods, monsters, and heroes of the Vikings. That's all on this episode. And that's, of course, courtesy of DK Publishing. On this episode of Rambo with Russell. So we're going to take a little musical interlude right up with the next review of the show. My Blu ray live action movie review for this episode is Those Who Wish Me Dead, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this Blu ray to review for the program. The opinions I express are my own. Now, this is a brand new release starring good old Angelina Jolie as a smoke jumper who, you know, at the start of this movie, she, she, she had some problems. She had a setback. She did something that she shouldn't have done. And she's kind of living with regret. So she's a smoke jumper that is down and out. And it's funny with smoke jumpers. I mean, they seem to be getting a lot more attention lately. I think John Cena did a movie. He was a smoke jumper recently. So she plays Hannah, uh, that kind of character. And and so she's this smoke jumper. And at the start of this movie, there's this young kid whose father, let's say he knows too much, okay? He, you know, he... I guess, I don't know, he's like connected and somebody he knows kind of, um, I don't know, um, gets killed. So this then leads these these two pairs of killers to hunt down the boy because the father, before he died, gave him some information. And now they want to know, oh, we want to know what the boy knows because maybe the father gave him the boy to stuff. I know that sounds really complicated, but that's how it is. So you have so you have Hannah, and she's just kind of, you know, trying to recover from lives that she lost at a fire. And then she comes across this, tw uh, you know, traumatized 12-year-old boy who essentially just, you know, slight spoiler here, saw his dad just get like popped off in front of him. And so these criminals 
And, and I don't know, I mean, the timing of this movie is rather odd. And I don't know how well this movie would, would do either in Los Angeles or BC, British Columbia right now, because the criminals, to, to try to hunt this kid down, they think, oh, well, you know, we want to keep the police busy. So what are we going to do? We're just going to light ablaze a bunch of brush, and that'll be a distraction. So while all these people are fighting the fire, that'll give us just willy-nilly free realm to track down this kid. And these two killers are brutal in this. They're, they're played by Aiden Gillen and Nicholas Holt. And, and they're like, oh, well, you see me. And just popping people off like popcorn. So they're nasty. And and to see, you know, two guys like deliberately light the field of fire when all these brush fires are raging across the world, it's like, yeah, that's a little too close to home for some people, I would think. Also in this movie, you have um, you have uh, uh, John ben, ben, uh, Bernthal as Ethan, who is, is a former love interest of Hannah's, if you will. Tyler Perry is in this, too, of <laughs> all people. And then you have Medina Singhor as Allison, who is the current love interest to the character of Ethan. Try not to be complicated here, but that's how it goes. So, so, so uh, the character of Hannah stumbles across this boy, and the whole movie is her trying to get this kid to safety while these killers are tracking him down. Well, there is a huge fire blazing across the countryside. And this movie, in a way, is kind of like backdraft in the woods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fire effects in this are crazy. And you look at the behind the scenes and what they did, because, you know, environmentalists would have just got in trouble with them. What they did is, is they, they deliberately made their own little forest, got trees that were dying or going to be killed, and then they populated the forest with those trees so they weren't killing normal healthy trees, which is pretty smart by the film directors. You only get one extra with this release. So the whole movie is just that tension of here, here's, you know, Jolie only armed with a pickaxe. Although, let me tell you, she goes and kind of Laura, Laura Croft on these guys with it and, and really goes down. Uh, only armed with that, and these guys have guns, and it, it's trying to rescue this boy, and also, you know, avoid getting fixied by the fire that these two ingrate criminals actually launch, you know, set 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 aflame. So it's very very tension. I mean, you it, it's at sometimes brutal. Like there's a headshot in this one. It's like, oh, that's nasty. Uh, in it, and it's like that, and and it's. You know, and you you see, and the whole point of the movie is is this bond that forms between this poor kid, who's just trying to survive, and his whole life has gone on him, and 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 Jolie character of Hannah, who sees this kid has his her redemption, really, in this movie. And there's a fight near the end between Jolie, the character Hannah, and one of these bad guys, and it is brutal. It is just painful and there is some really kind of like <laughs> moments in this movie to be sure so that that's kind of the feel of it the the fire effects in this one are amazing uh it's kind of those movies that i almost wish i could have seen on a big screen just the fire effects alone now you know i love movie quotes and i read them when i get them 
And and Peter Travers of ABC News goes, tremendously exciting action. And okay, fun quote. But if you're looking for a movie that's like, you know, wall-to-wall action, not so much this. There are intense scenes of violence. I mean intense, but they're very short bursts. So as as if you know you were described as a wall to wall action movie, no. Uh, what do I think of Jolie's uh, acting in this? It's subdued, but it's there. It's interesting to see her take on roles uh, like this uh, when it comes to it. You know, uh, <laughs> you know. Some people would argue, well, well, she's just too pretty to be a smoke jumper. I mean, not all to look like you know former supermodels. And you could you could make that case. Maybe. But in seeing what she does here, I mean, honestly, to me, she'd be Lara Croft again if she wanted to. I think she's still in pretty decent shape that if she wanted to suit up the short shorts and the guns in the top, bammo. It, uh, I think she'd do well and, and people would go to see it because, you know, that people want their... Uh, uh, to me, to this day, it's surprised it wasn't a third one of those movies, but, you know, it's all about the ratings. So, so it is what it is. Uh, it's, it's a very tension-filled movie. I, I wish there would have been more extras to it, like maybe a director's commentary or a commentary with director and maybe Jolie and the kid. That would have been cool. The kid is not bad. I mean, he emotes really well. He's a good emoter. He hasn't been in a lot of stuff in Little. I'm just, you know, checking his, his bio. Uh, he's been in a couple of TV series and some miniseries, um, Tidelands and Reckoning. But I think this is his first really big kind of motion picture. And and that's pretty impressive, man. Like, okay, first motion picture you get, you're with Angelina Jolie. Dang, that's not bad. So we'll see where this kid goes. I mean, he's pretty young, uh, you know, at the, the time of this recording. You know, he was born in... Do, 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 do. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, he's a pretty young kid. So, I mean, his... It's always weird with kid actors, right? Because sometimes they, they get a huge career and they just rocket to the stars. And other ones, they get, they get like one decent movie, maybe two, and then they fade into obscurity. So we'll see where this kid goes uh, when it comes to that. Overall, a, a brutal movie, yeah, but, but still tenseful and enjoyable. And I will say, it's somewhat anticlimactic ending, but you can take that how you want when it comes to that. So that is my take of Those Who Wish Me Dead on a Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. The bloodwood and the desert oak, holding wrecks and boiling diesel, steaming 45 degrees. The time has come to say fair's fair, to pay the rent, to pay our share. The time has come A fact's a fact It belongs to them Let's give it back How can we dance when our 
TV show on DVD review for this episode is Are You Afraid of the Dark? Curse of the Shadows. Courtesy of Paramount Home Entertainment. Now, this is the second kick at the can, if you will, at the Are You Afraid of the Dark franchise. This series started way back in the 1990s and is, is a Canadian production. So anything that's Canadian, of course, Rambler, is always near and dear to my heart. And, and this originally started, you know, turn back the years. Quite a few years ago, way back in the 1990s. And this is the time when Tales of the Crypt was huge. And people were thinking like, can we have a horror show that's not horror that kids can still enjoy? And so this is kind of the result. Also at the time, the author L.R. Stein was huge. And he had made a show called Goosebumps, which is very much kind of like spooky for kids. And so this kind of all spawned from that big rush of spooky kid stuff. First episodes aired in 1991, and the first run of the show that aired on YTV up here in Canada, Nickelodeon in the States, went for five seasons till uh, 1995. And then it took a bit of a break, and then it had the sixth and seventh seasons. 
on Nickelodeon Family Channel in 1999 and 2000. And then it took a huge break and went away and didn't come back until uh, 2019 with the series Carnival of Doom, which I get to see. Uh, and that was strictly on Nickelodeon. And then the follow-up to that, of course, now is Curse of the Shadows that uh, that started, that aired uh, back in February of this year, being, you know, 2021. So it's had a really odd history. And it was one of those shows that I, I you know, I've seen a few episodes here and there, but if you, you know, I'm, I, if, you could, if I, you wanted me to tell you every episode of the show, pfft, sorry, I, I don't have that kind of encyclopedic knowledge. But I do remember it had a really good, like, eerie theme song. Now, the focus of the original show was you, it was centered on this bunch of kids in, from the Midnight Society. And every show, these kids tried to out-scare each other by tearing, like, telling spooky tales by the campsite. Whereas Goosebumps was basically R.L. Stein's stories brought to TV. <laughs> and that, that was the premise. For the first you know, seven seasons run, that's what the show was. When it came back in 2019, the, the producer said, you know what, we're going to do something a little bit different. So instead of having, you know, individual separate stories with these kids telling them, they had a longer story arc. Now, Carnival of Doom was only three episodes, whereas Curse of Shadows is now six. So they, they expanded it even further. And you, if you look at the back of it, you know, it says episodes and it lists the number of them. And I saw some YouTuber reviewer. He said, oh, these are just episode names of the show that, you know, bonus episodes from the old show. No, it isn't. Okay. So if you watch that guy and you he, he, he said that and you think that's right, no, it isn't. The episode list on the back is not episodes from the old run of the show. These are the episode names of this six story arc. Okay, so probably you that got confused by that, you know, you get the truth from me. <laughs> and <laughs> these stories, the, the, the stories center around, you know, members of Midnight Society. And right at the start of it, one of them in big trouble. And we find out later on as the, the, the episodes go that that's the leader of the group. And, and kids in this show really take a, a, a forefront in it. Like there, there are adults in the show, there are parents. And then there's the magician Sardo, essence on the dough. And and he's you know, he's he's very um he's very you know, he's only like really the adult that has a big part. All the other adults like the parents are just filler, really. They're just, you know, there because kids gotta have parents. Although I find it funny, you know, these kids are running around doing all this stuff and they're like, oh, they're not very clued in parents. I'm sorry. <laughs> but they aren't. So, so, the, so the the story opens up with with the the leader of the group, Connor Stevens, played by Parker Quinnen, and and you see him running for something, running for something, and then as the story goes on, and he and he disappears, and then the the rest of the series is the, the other members of Midnight Society try to say, you know, what happened to our leader, and try to you know find him, essentially. And, and this town is, uh, and the, the town it's set in is a very small coastal town. I know <laughs> it's like a theme today, coastal towns and kids. But this is this is far from the shores of Italy in the 1950s. This is El Spucco town in on the on the <laughs> on one of the coasts, and and this town has a very dark past where a lot of kids have just gone missing. And the story 
as told by Sardo, and 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 done that. That's the only element of the old show is kind of there. Is the curse of the Shadow Man, and the way the story goes in this town is that there's this supernatural force called the Shadow Man, and if you're caught out in the woods, you know, and you don't get out of the woods before sundown, you're cursed, and the Shadow Man will come to get you, and and take you away. You'll never be seen again. And this Shadow Man. Lord mighty, he is like straight out of 1980s horror, man. It's just tall, kind of skin, skinny, creepy with the, the, the branches on the head. He's kind of like, you know, if you take like a swamp thing and you darken him up and you make him super evil, <laughs> that kind of look to him. And, and, and the creep factor is like super there, man. He is just... There are many moments in this six episode series where you're going like, I don't mean these kids are gonna make it through. <laughs> it's all caution you. If you have younger kids, some of this stuff is nightmare fuel. Like, you know, for, for little kids. So as R.L. Stein used to say in his show, viewer beware, you're in for a scare. And and that's that's kind of the premise you have to go in with these shows, man. They don't you know, short of gore and nudity, they don't pull a lot of punches when it comes to spookitude in this. And they got it. And the kids in this, I really like the kids. And, and you know, and the kids in this thing, they really did the old diversity check mark. So, oh, you know, it's not just a bunch of white people doing stuff. They they really kind of spread it out there. That you're, you're my, Your second kind of lead, you know, the pseudo-leader that takes sort of control is the character of Luke McCoy, played by Bryce uh, Gizar. And, you know, he's, you know, a shy kid, but, but he, he wants to find his friend. And then you have, uh, you, and then there's only two girls in the club. The, the one is, uh, Gabby Lewis played by Malia Baker, who has a, has a learner's permit. <laughs> she really uses that in the show. Then the other female is the character of Hannah Romero, which Luke kind of has a crush for. And that's played by Beatrice Kistos or Kit Kitsos. Sorry. And then the other cast is rounded out by the character of Jay Malia, played by Arjun Athali, who is, is kind of your, your token kind of geeky. Why? Well, I don't know. He's, he's, he's kind of a, a character trope, if you go for it. And then the oddest character casting in this, and I don't get it, you know, when I was watching this. You have this young kid um, who plays Seth, who is a play with Dominic Marich, who is supposed to be Hannah's little brother. All right. Now, here's where the casting, I would like to talk to producers about this. I understand, you know, everything today, we have to be, you know, we can't, every race, every diversity has got to be checked. This is how TV is now. This is our society now. So the, the, the character of Seth, he's, he's, you look at him and you look at Hannah and you go, okay, how are you two related? Because during the sixth episode run of the show, they briefly show their mother, right? You know, Hannah and Seth's mother. And she clearly look, okay. You look at Hannah, you look at her, you go, yeah, I could see, you know, that, that would work. But we never see her father at all. And in this whole thing, there's never, you know, a, you know, there's never an explanation why these two siblings don't even look related when it comes to race. Like not even, there's no like, um, no like 
thrown a bone and shown the dad. Maybe the dad looks more like the son. Or they could have said something like, oh, well, you're a pain in the ass because you're my adopted brother. Or something. Just throw a bone there because it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> you know, looking at these two, that they look related. Now, yes, granted, you know, biologically that can happen, right? It can but but there has to be another side of it. You can't the, the odds of two and then producing it just it doesn't work. You're you're bucking science. So I I think that's kind of lazy writing to me. I the kid is cute. Granted, he he's good as the annoying little brother. You know that's his little role. Uh, and it, and he he has a he has a, a love of magic which ties into the whole story. And, and, and that, and, and one of the funny bits, but again, lazy writing, uh, the magician character Sardo, which is played by Ryan Bell, which he is hilarious in this. He reminds me a lot of Eugene Levy, not Eugene Levy. Um, oh, the, the guy, <laughs> see, I'm forgetting, um, a former cast member of, um, of, um, Saturday Night Live, who who was in the critic, <laughs> but he's, he's like a, another, like a younger version of him. And, 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 and so he always says, you know, character of Sardo accent on the dough. At one point, Seth is, is, you know, he's trying to fight the darkness and stuff. So then he's yelling his magic gear and he goes, Oh, I'm Seth with the emphasis on Seth. And it's like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Maybe, okay. Kid logic, but maybe you go emphasis in the F or just something. It's just like, <laughs> okay, kids show. Just keep remembering kids show. Uh, <laughs> that's there. And so, so uh, through the course of this story, these kids find out that, you know, why, why Connor's missing and they go into the woods, to try to find him. But due to a total screw up by Jay, they end up getting cursed and now not only do they have to try to rescue their, their, their fellow Midnight Society member, but now they're being hunted by the, the shadow creature as well. So it, it's, it's, you know, it's like they're trying to save him and then trying to, trying to save their own selves. And like I said, it, it is generally creepy <laughs> and, and quite gripping. I mean, it's, it's, it's one point. It gets so dark. Uh, near the large part of it. it, it really amazes me. And and hats off to the actor, uh, who played the creature because man, Shadow Man. Uh, hats off to Kyle Strouts. He, oh, I think he must have done some kind of creature monster work before because the way he moves on camera, it is just spot on for you. Now, one of the, the surprises, uh, in this in this series and. And it yeah, probably was shot in, in Canada. It was something I didn't even know about in advance. So this kind of <laughs> totally got me. And and if I'm really surprised for y'all, sorry, but I gotta talk about it. One of the the kind of guest actors in the show who has a pretty significant part, but he's not in a lot of scenes, is the character the actor of Aaron Douglas, who has not on, not been on this podcast not once, but twice. And he shows up as, as you know as a very, you know significant character in the history of, of the shadow man. And it's so cool to see him. I almost like did a double take. Holy moly. Aaron Douglas, formerly of the revamped Battlestar Galactica, 
who has also appeared in some of the Star Wars movies. He has just been in a lot of stuff. And another Canadian actor, and he, he has a pretty significant part in the show. So that's, like, I, not in every episode, but still. That, that was, a, like, bonus to me. And if you want to hear me talk to Aaron Douglas, then listen to the end of the show, and I'll tell you where you can find some of my older archives. And I believe one of the interviews was at Fan Expo when I was there, and then there was another one a while back. But but if you keep looking through the shows, and hopefully it's not one of the ones that got deleted out of um, out of talk show a while back. Yeah, you can hear me talk to Aaron Douglas. No, once but twice. So he was a pleasure to talk to, an interview, and it, it's great to see him still just plugging away there, <laughs> and, and coming up in a really unexpected spot. So that that's kind of cool. Overall, I mean, if, if you're looking for, if you liked the, 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 the original revival, right? If you liked the, the one before this, Carnival of Doom, I haven't seen it yet, but what I can tell, it's similar stuff. If you like that kind of story, and, and you're not all picky and like, I want a Faith the Dark, it's like an anthology, man. I want different stories, and I want a whole bunch of them, man. Then, then I'm sorry. Uh, you want that? Watch the old shows. Right, and but I like this direction. I get a a continued plot line that stretches out, and and they do throw little touches from from the you know, from the regular show in there just for fan service more than anything else. But it's not transcending, and and I hope they they keep going with this. Now I don't know where they're gonna go. You know, come probably next year or so. Probably the earliest we'll see another you know chapter. More than likely, they'll probably pick uh, another set of kids and then another kind of through storyline. Now, I did want to comment on one thing. I, I, you know, Ramblers, I try not to spoil things too much, but I have to say this. The way this, you know, six-episode arc ended, oh, man, it's a little back to the future-y. I'm going to say that. And I don't know how much I like it because it's like, okay... We did this. This has happened. It's all good. And you're like, do you really know the repercussions of what you just did? Really? Really? Have you not watched any science fiction whatsoever? Do you not realize, you know, what you may have done? Yeah, your your intentions were noble. But, <laughs> but it's, and yes, good things came of it, but Ah, it's one of those. <laughs> you can you can pass it off, but if you really think about it, you're like, hmm, that's you know interesting choice there. Not that much of a choice, <laughs> but it is what it is. There are no extras on this, sadly. Not even some commentary. Not behind the scenes. Nothing for nothing, which is a shame. I I would like to have seen that, or at least heard some commentary, heard from some of these kids and what they thought of. Working on a very spooky set, to me, because I wonder if if they if they did with Shadow Man how how they they use Pennywise with the modern It movies, because when 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 that character was on with those kids, he was totally in character. He didn't break it or nothing, so they were generally terrified of him. And I and I wonder if in this series that's the same because. I saw some good fear in those kids' faces when the, when the stuff was really starting to get intense. All right. 
So that is my take of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Curse of the Shadows on DVD, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Home Entertainment. Courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this Blu-ray to review on this podcast. The opinions expressed are my own. Now again, this is the part two of the first Batman Long Halloween movie, where the first one ended off at a big old cliffhanger, and this is the second part of the story. It involves around the early days of The Dark Knight, when he was just kind of learning how to be a detective, and continues following the, the murders of the Holiday Killer. 
and and Batman's continued eff, you know efforts to try to track down this criminal and to find out who's killing mobsters, if you will. Uh, so in in the second half of the story, you get a lot more character development with good old Harvey Dent, aka Two Face. In in the first part, I felt they kind of teed up, you know, here's Harvey pre Two Face, and just like on the cover, because it ain't much of a spoiler. Uh, in this movie, we really get into Harvey Two Face in this one. Man, it it, it they really explored, and his origin I like is very much comic booky. Uh, and of course, in the Batman animated series, he he falls on the floor in a factory. This explosion burns off half his face, a la Harvey Two Face, right? And in in this one, his the way he turns into Two Face is very very close to the um, to to the you know comic book origin where it's the old acid in the face kind of thing, which is nice. I, I like to see that actually animated and done because you know that it's it's more true to the comics. So you have that kind of build up. You see him turn into Two Face, and I like Josh Demel's performance in this because. It's it's really good. I mean, uh, you look back in the day of um, of of Richard Mole as as Two Face in Batman the Animated Series, and he did such a good job of being the Harvey voice. And when he was Two Face, he was really Two Face, and he had that completely deepened his voice and sounded like a really different person. So it really sold that kind of split personality thing. In this one, Josh Duhamel Duhamel does a really good job with with Two Face too, in that. When he becomes Two Face, the voice deepens, and it really got old big bad Harv. He, it it's so similar to 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 what it harkens to what uh, to to um, to that Batman animated voice. It really does, and it's and I, I like how how that that is. It's kind of like an homage to it. It's very similar, but has its own thing and really works. So, so this is kind of a, a two kind of part story where you have these ongoing hit uh, mob murders and then the evolution of Two-Face and then other villains get kind of loped, loped into this. Joker was kind of a huge part of the first movie. He's in the second part, but his role is reduced. Also, Solomon Grundy gets a much bigger role in this second half of the movie. Also coming to fruition in the second half, you have appearances by Poison Ivy, uh, Scarecrow, and Mad Hatter. So you have those additions to the the gallery of villains in in this story, and and the way they're drawn, the way they're done, yeah, it's it's very much, you know, in that kind of more adult style. Like Poison Ivy is just <laughs> drawn a very certain way that it's you know. Easy on the eyes, and and I like how how the story works. I think I think Billy Burke does well as Commissioner Jordan, and 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 um, Naya Rivera as Catwoman. You get a lot more relationship of her and Bruce in this too. Jason Eccles returns, of course, as Batman, and does a really good job. I think you know who would have thunk that that he would do a good uh, Batman voice, but it it just works for me. And I'd like to see him going forward, do more Batman stuff. I really do. John DiMaggio. Yes. Bender is the voice of the Mad Hatter. <laughs> and, 
and, and really works in a really odd kind of way. And then Robin Atkins Downs is Scarecrow. And this is a truly terrifying Scarecrow in this one. This is, you know, he, he's not just playing around for games in here. And it really comes to a big head. Now, some of you, if you haven't read the Long Halloween trade, you know, book that this movie is based on, you're going to say, I don't know if I like the ending. Yeah, you, I don't know if you'll be happy with who the holiday killer is revealed to be. Some pay attention. Maybe you see the signs. Maybe you don't. And it is what it is. But it's an interesting development in Batman where he, you see a point in his character where he's like, okay, I got to do things differently now. And it's that kind of evolution. For special features, you don't have a lot. Uh, you know, you do, you do, the two bonus cartoons you get are the... Um, Two-Face two-parter from Batman the Animated Series. So it's cool to see those in Blu-ray. As I predicted, it would be. I kind of thought it'd be in part one, but makes sense. They put them in part two. The one they did leave out, and I wish they would have thrown in uh, into the bonus cartoons. Like, one more. Would it have killed you? Was the one in later on in Batman the Animated Series, like more of the Batman Superman Adventures, when Harvey Dent came back as a third <laughs> split personality as the judge. Uh, so that would have been another nice little extra to throw in there, but that didn't happen. But they really show Harvey Dent's duality with the coin and can make up his position unless it's the coin. And, and they even show how it kind of ties in with, with the mobsters. So you got that. Your sneak peek, of course, all DC Universe stuff has a sneak peek into the next uh, adventure, which is coming out probably in a few months from now, which you know I'm going to be requesting. And that is the next animated movie, which is Injustice, which is going to be based on not only the, the video game, but the comic books as well. So we're going to have an animated movie based on those characters. And that looks very interesting. Again, very adult, but uh, kind of cool. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's kind of what you get with extras. Uh, th this release only came out on Blu-ray and DVD. I did not see a 4K of this at all, which is surprising. I'm going to call this now. You watch, Ramblers. Come a few months from now, if they eventually put these two releases as in one big release, like they did with um, The Dark Knight Returns, and I believe the Superman ones do, you watch. When they make this two movies in one kind of collection... They, I bet you dollars to donuts, then a 4K version will come out. I don't know for sure. I haven't heard anything, but maybe that's what they're holding out on to get people to double dip. So that is what it is. As with all these latest DC Universe movie releases, the spine art continues to evolve. So now, uh, up to this one, we've got a D and a C, and now the beginnings of a U. Uh, on it, so it is slowly spilling, uh, spelling out a picture and a word, and I'm really curious to see how far it goes. I think it's cool they're doing this. I can't remember the last time. Oh, it goes. It's been a while since we've seen spine art on slip covers that all meshes together to make a picture, but they're doing it, and I think that is great, and it's going to look really cool on your shelf when you got them all together. So that is a neat addition. I am all for that. Bring it on, Warner Brothers. You need to be doing more. So that is that. And 
so there you go. A, a really fun Batman movie. Uh, again, uh, it's probably one of those ones. It's best to watch like in a row, like first one and then two. Having a break in between, I'm not gonna break the story mode of it. It is strictly for adults. It's not. If you want kid stuff, go as I always say with these universe releases. Go watch you know, some old animated series. You know, Superman. Justice League. Oh, and, and there is an announcement that coming up in the next few months, speaking of Superman, Superman the Animated Series is finally getting a Blu-ray release for the whole run. I haven't got the official press release on it yet, but you know, Ramblers, if I get a chance, I'll be requesting a copy of that to review on this very show. Because I had they've teased it with the um, things from the vault, but I'm really curious to see what comes from that set. So, that is my take of Batman, The Long Halloween Part 2. Oh, and one other thing before I finish. It, it, I like what they did also with the front covers of Part 1 and Part 2. If you put them together, it makes for a really interesting side-by-side -side picture. Do that, and you'll be like, that's kind of neat. All right. Oh, and also, one other extra. That's getting bad. Uh, the way they put in this is there's another uh, DC showcase short. This time, it is the good old Blue Beetle. And it is animated in the style. This is Ted Core Blue Beetle, not Jamie Harreas. And it's animated in the style of an old, um, uh, like an old cartoon episode of an of an older show. <laughs> and it's it's kind of funky uh, the way they did it. It reminds me of another. They, they kind of make fun of Spider Man in a way without getting sued. You watch how they do it. It's very much a, a bit of a parody of the old Spider-Man 66 show. Just especially the theme song. So that is on this, too. That's your DC short. So that is my take of Batman, The Long Halloween Part 2 on Blu-ray. Courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment.
for this episode is Norse myths. Meet the gods, monsters, and heroes of the Vikings, courtesy of DK Publishing. And, and this is a really cool kind of fair-sized book. It's written by Matt Ralphs and illustrated by Katie Ponder. And it, it, it goes through the, the Norse myths. Now, if you don't know Norse, this is kind of like the, uh, the kind of Denmark mythology. And it has characters like Thor and Loki and Odin and all that kind of stuff. So if you're ever curious about... Asgard, all, you know, the, the actual mythology behind those characters. This book really goes through it all, and I love the illustrations in this thing. They, they have a certain style to them, which is very artsy, and I like it. And it goes through the whole story of, of, of the, the history of that mythology with really interesting artwork. It's quite a fair-sized book. It is quite a few pages. Is why can I figure it out? It is over 100 pages, probably close to 130 pages, and 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 it it's nice, you know, kind of dive into that mythology without you know reading this really thick books about it. It has nice illustrations, and and it's all the mythology is told as in a story, you know, and and I mean, if you're ever wondering, like. The, the stories that the Thor movies were based on, bammo, this is going to do you for. And I, I like the cover of it. It's very, um, if you tilt the, the light a certain way, it's kind of shiny. So if you are know, thinking of just, I need to know more about Norse mythology, and all this Thor stuff really has me interested. This is definitely the book for you, and it, it's got some really nice artwork. And it's not going to, you know, it's, it's not too heavy a read either. So that's my book review of Norse Myths, courtesy of the great folks at DK Publishing. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can touch me the number of ways. You can always check me out on Twitter. I'm at RamblingRuss, at R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Tweet me, I'll tweet you back. If you follow me... I will follow you on Twitter. I appreciate all the likes and retweets about that. And any kind of, you know, show notices, any kind of pictures, I throw them on Twitter. Yes, when you listen to the time of this recording, I may or may not have put up my Avengers Station pictures. I know I need to do that. I will put them up soon. <laughs> so I can show you some of the fun I had in Yorkdale Mall. Uh, but uh, yeah, so check me out on Twitter. Uh, of course, you can check out all the episodes right here in the Talk Shoot Network. I'm show 18411. That's my caller ID. You can find all new brand episodes right here, as well as many directories across the World Wide Web, including Google Play and Spotify. Spotify. And if you want a trip a little back into time, like I said before, you want to check out some of my older interviews, including some of my older interviews with good old Aaron Douglas. I think they're all there, although some may be here on Talk Shoot. Check out my original website on the internet, my original home, that is on Libsyn. That's HTTP, full column, backslash, backslash, ramblingrust.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N as in November, dot com. That's my original home on the internet, where I have all my older shows from 2006 right up to 2013, and then I jump to my to doing shows here on TalkShoe. Lots of great coverage, older reviews, you can take, hear me when I first started out. And lots of cool uh, convention coverage as well, back in my days when I used to cover Fan Expo. So, I believe he's in one of those. 
check those out. And of course, you can check out those older shows and many, uh, of course, directories across the World Wide Web as well, podcast directories, and in iTunes under podcasts. Just type in there and you'll find my older shows there. What's coming up on future episodes of the show? Man alive, people, I'm just too busy for my own good. I have so much to talk about. Coming up uh, uh, on future episodes of the show from Warner Brothers, they just sent me the the, the uh, brand new DVD release of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, 20 years of movie magic. So to coincide the 20th anniversary of the first Harry Potter movie. Where has time gone, my friends? They're releasing this with the special magic movie mode. And I'll say what that's all about on an upcoming edition of the show from Warner. And from Paramount, boy, do I have so much stuff. See, a while back, uh, a lot of the May Paramount uh, reviews got delayed big time. And I'm just starting to get them now, thankfully. Uh, it's just they got they had some shipping problems. And so part of that huge delay were a lot of movies and TV shows, which I just got. And those include uh, the first three seasons of Yellowstone, the limited edition gift set on DVD, as well as the season one of the show The Great, a, a very humorous look at Catherine the Great, and another chapter in the Loud House Road Trip, season three, part one, as well uh, sent to me. So that's all kind of coming up on the future show. That's more of the May backlog, as well, and two... Some of the other uh, Paramount backlog I uh, have, and because Shang, because Snake Eyes uh, just appeared in theaters, and that is coming to a home video very soon. But in latest that, I have on 4K Blu ray both G.I. Joe Retaliation and G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, the previous G.I. Joe releases on 4K Blu rays. Get my take on those. And just recently, in keeping with the horror theme, we're getting all this horror stuff, and we're not even October yet. I'm going to give you from Paramount Home Entertainment the 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 Friday the 13th, the eight movie collection on Blu-ray to check out all the first eight Jason Voorhees movies on Blu-ray in a nice, really cool red case. So that is coming up. So horror movies in the summer are approaching the fall, if you will. And for book reviews, the next one on the docket for the fine folks at DK. That will be coming up in a future review is the ultimate Harley Davidson book, new edition, where we go for the world of these amazing motorcycles. And I say this, and I'm not a gearhead in any way, shape, or form, but I do appreciate looking at pictures of some well-built vehicles and seeing how they evolve over time. So that's coming up on future episodes of this program and a lot of the stuff that I can't remember right this very moment that are on the way. So keep listening to the program. Thank you all for checking me out today and we'll catch you next time right here on Rambled Russell. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.